Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This to me is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Morning, good morning, and uh, you know so we're going to start with some good news this morning, and uh, what I think is just excellent news, and really the American spirit. And we all saw uh, President Donald Trump uh, yesterday go to East Palestine, Ohio, with some pallets of food and water, and a giant smile on his face, and it was just a wonderful thing to see him uh, go and meet with a lot of the people on the ground in East Palestine. And, and I have to I have to tell you all, uh, seeing these clips that are on social media, if you are on um, you know any of the platforms, all of these clips are, are going viral, of course. And I was I was in tears because I thought, you know, this is genuinely the American spirit and this is um, this is what good people do for each other is is literally going to help and being um, the hands and feet of of Christ to the world and sometimes that comes in the form of President Donald Trump and this is what people genuinely love and respect about him so much is when he goes and is with people on the ground and just says, you know, I'm, I'm one of you all. So he, um, he came, he delivered all of these, um, it was about 13 pallets of food and water and, uh, then went and made a stop at McDonald's, which was uh, a really great moment, I think, and, and, uh, bought food for everyone and all of the first responders. And, and I loved when he said, um, he came up to, uh, to, the uh, the workers there and and uh, said you know I probably know this menu better than you all probably better than anybody else here <laughs> you know and he's just um, that's who he is and and I've had the privilege and and the honor of uh, seeing him in action like that so many times when I worked for him and someone else who knows him very very well joins me this morning uh, to talk about this wonderful moment uh, which is my good friend Lynn Patton she is a senior advisor for the Trump 2024 campaign. Campaign. She previously served in HUD during the administration. And uh, Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. And what a great moment yesterday. Hey, Jenna. Great to be here. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, you know, um, ironically, there could not have been a greater contrast between our current president and our former president than what manifested yesterday. Um, you know, not only did you see my boss fly into East Palestine and donate over 20,000 bottles of water, like you said, pallets of food, pallets of cleaning supplies, telling the people of this um, eastern Ohio town that they are not forgotten, that we stand with you, that we pray with you. But I think Wesley Hunt summed it up best when he said, America has two presidents right now, one who can't climb a flight of stairs and one who can you know, one who visits Americans in need and one who takes pallets of cash to Ukraine, one who leads and one who follows. And that's what we witnessed yesterday. 
Mm, that's such a great point, uh, Lynn Patton. I mean, pallets of cash versus pallets of food and supplies. I mean, there's really uh, no better contrast. And I think that this election uh, in 2024 is really going to come down to all of these different moments of contrast. And you have such a clear distinction between Joe Biden, who chose to spend President's Day uh, in Ukraine and being on the ground with people there. And actually, um, there were photos that I think he was at some kind of war memorial. And there was a photo contrast yeah. where, you know, he was um, he was there looking very solemn, where at an American uh, military war memorial, you know, of course, he was looking at his we'll watch. We'll never forget. We'll never and- forget. He was looking at his watch. And, you know, even the media tried to provide cover for him back then by saying that he wasn't. But, you know, uh, see what you see, you know, with your own eyes. Um, And it's just, you know, the motto of the Democrat Party has become, you know, do what we say, believe what we say, not what you see. Um, And it's 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 a slap in the face to the American people. And it's a slap in the face to our intelligence, um, you know, uh, that we would put so much weight and and focus on uh, funding the pensions of of foreign countries as opposed to uh, cleaning, you know, the drinking water of an American town. Right, right. And, and, and I think this is what is so frustrating to people who saw uh, President Trump in uh, and everything that he did in office for um, the first four years that he had in office, and I'll emphasize first because, of course, he's running for his yeah. second term, and we're all very excited about that. And 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 the first two years of Joe Biden. And so, as this is coming down to such contrast, though, um, on a personal note, you have known the Trump family uh, for years, and you've worked very closely with them. You know, way before uh, President Trump ran for office, even. And you know, so so this type of um, just wonderful time that he spent yesterday mm. in East Palestine. I mean, this is genuinely who he is. And a lot of people are, of course, his critics are going to slam this as, oh, this was just a photo op and he doesn't really care. And also, and I, you know, I kind of took a little bit of personal offense to that because I thought you, you either don't know Donald Trump or you are just on purpose trying to spin this. And and so give us a, a little bit of insight into how much you know the family and why this truly, I believe, was just truly, genuinely President Trump. I think that if he was done with his term in office and he wasn't even running for anything, he still would have been there. Oh, well, thank you, Jenna. And yeah, for your listeners who don't know who I am, uh, I actually started working for President Trump about 15 years ago, um, first as a personal assistant at the Trump Organization, and then I rose up to vice president of their charities. And then, of course, when he won, he asked me to come to Washington, D.C. with him, where I worked for Secretary Ben Carson at HUD, as you mentioned. But, you know, this was not surprising to me. I've had a front row seat to this man and this family's genuine altruism uh, since day one. Uh, Not only has his son, Eric, raised over $30 million for pediatric cancer research at St. Jude, but, you know, Trump has always been a man of the people. I think many of you listening know that, you know, the people who have always gravitated towards him have been the cops, the firefighters, the construction workers, the taxi drivers. When we would walk down the streets of New York City in, in the nine, you know, in the early 2000s, 
Uh, those are the folks who would cheer him on, who would shout out, Trump, go Trump. You know, and it's, so it's no surprise that that is ultimately the demographic that ended up being the majority of our base. You know, he's never been a part of the one percenters. He's always given back to the community. And one of the things that you might hear about is you always read um, stories about how Trump uh, used to famously read the New York Post and the New York Daily News every day. And sometimes there would be a story about a man who rescued somebody drowning or a bus driver who talked somebody down off the George Washington Bridge from committing suicide. And Trump would always anonymously, these stories have come out to light since then, but anonymously he would always send them either a check for $25,000 or pay for their mortgage, you know, for a year or pay for their kids to go to school. In fact, this actually happened to me recently. I was picking up my dry cleaning um, at a store in New York. I happened to be wearing a Trump golf hat, you know, probably one of hundreds. I didn't even realize I was, I had on. And the guy behind the counter said to me, Oh, you work for, you know, you like Trump? And I was like, oh, well, you know, in New York, you don't know what to say sometimes, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You might get hurt. But, you know, I always stand proud because I know I can defend them and I know that who they really are, like you said. And I said, yes, I actually work for him. And he said, well, I just have to tell you that there's a customer of mine who used to come in here. Tragically, he got killed changing a tire on the highway. Um, he was struck and killed. And I later learned from this business owner that Trump paid for the schooling of this man's family. He had five children. He was a father of five. And it paid to make sure that they kept their kids in school um, during this difficult time. And that was a story I didn't even know. Um, and so, you know, he does a lot of this work anonymously. He doesn't want to ever be given credit for it yesterday. As you said, he bought, you know, lunch for all of the first responders in the police department and the fire departments of East Palestine, plus whoever happened to be in the restaurant picked up their tab too. All of the supplies that he delivered yesterday came out of his own pocket. And I will say one more thing. You know, um, I've become very close with uh, his kids, Don, Ivanka, Eric, and their wives. And, you know, it's just, I, I have to tell you that, you know, I don't think I would be here if it weren't for this family. Um, you know, there was a time when, and you know this, Jenna, I relapsed. Um, you know, I, like millions of Americans, I struggled with substance abuse and addiction. And I relapsed uh, in 2013 while I was working for this family. I thought I was slick and cool and could hide it from them and, and as long as I continued to show up and do my work. But one day, you know, Eric Trump pulled me into his office and literally staged an intervention, got everybody on the phone, um, confronted me about my drug use, uh, made sure that I got the help I needed. Uh, the Trump family was there. Donald Trump was there, uh, you know, supporting me every step of the way. And, you know, I now know that this was right before the influx of fentanyl. Um, who knows what could have happened? Um, I, I know that people who uh, use the same drug I did from the same person that I got it from uh, have died. 
uh, and that was reported as recently as two years ago. So it's it's a wake up call. Um, it's it's a personal message of of solidarity. I will always stand by this family because of that. Um, and you know, I I will scream it from the rooftops that this is genuine. This is not a photo op. They d- truly care, not just about you know America and Americans, but about the people who work with them, who work for them, who who you know uh, have the courage and uh, you know the conviction to continue to support this man despite all of the backlash from the media despite all of the witch hunt investigations, despite all of the things that, you know, we've seen this man and his family suffer through for the past seven years. Mm, Well, Lynn Patton, thank you so much for sharing that personal story. And, um, you know, we often, I think, focus so much on politics and campaigning and the, the back and forth that we lose the humanity sometimes and we lose the genuine real stories of how um, you know these people who like President Trump who are running for office um, who they really are and and I love that you you. are uh, bringing that to um, you know to this network today and and I I personally am very grateful um, for for you sharing that because I think it shows Um, that, you know, this is more than just politics. It's all about making sure that we are caring for one another. And, um, and I know that you love this family. I love this family as well, just from a personal note. And I think we do need to sometimes set aside, um, the political and just tell the truth and, and show exactly, um, you know, really, really what's, what's going on and beyond the fake news headlines that just kind of always want to get Trump. So, um, so we really, we're so grateful for you, Jenna, and your support and everything you've done for this president. Thank you so much, Lynn. Um, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, so how can people um, help support? I know that there is um, a a website that uh, the, uh, the, the Trump campaign actually sent out for the people of Ohio yesterday um, if they want to go to that and, and continue to, um, to help support. Yeah. So, um, you know, follow Trump War Room on Twitter. And also you can always go to our website, DonaldJTrump.com. And I will personally retweet this website out for everybody um, so that they can contribute and donate because Trump made it very clear yesterday. If the Biden administration doesn't step up and give this community the resources they deserve, then we'll be back. Yes, um, 100%. Know, and uh, and, and yeah. we're almost out of time here. And that, that website is blessingsthroughaction.org. And you can help the Ohio Disaster Relief. Lynn Patton with the Trump 2024 campaign. Thanks so much. And we'll be right back. What could healthcare sharing mean to you? Well, if you're like a lot of people who switch to MediShare, honestly, it's a huge relief. Like for the parents of an eight-year-old girl fighting cancer, it's confidence they have in having a community praying for them and paying their medical bills so they can focus on just being there and loving their daughter. Or for a young couple getting ready to welcome their first child into the world, it's being able to be in the moment, getting to enjoy this great gift from God without worrying about medical bills. And it's a relief these days to know you can actually save some money on something. The typical family saves $500 a month by switching to MediShare. And it's a ministry. When you call them, 
you talk to actual humans who want to help you. So that's a relief too. MediShare has been around 30 years. It's affordable, reliable healthcare. It's a great time to switch to. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corrine. This is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders and they are a Christian-based company. I love it. (laughs) If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I'm Corey and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Nearly 2,000 cars have either been stolen or vandalized in Memphis, Tennessee since the first of the year. And police say most of the people responsible are children, 70%, according to Memphis Police Chief C.J. Davis. The other day, they arrested an 11-year-old who had already been in custody six previous times. Six times! In other words, there's a revolving door at the local jailhouse. A 16-year-old was arrested after carjacking a motorist. Turns out that kid was already wearing an ankle monitor because of a previous crime. And most of the people in charge don't want to take responsibility. The police blame City Hall. City Hall blames the courts. The courts blames the legislature. Well, I blame everybody, the woke DA, soft on crime politicians, but mostly I blame parents who simply are not raising their children right. They spared the rod, and now we're all getting carjacked. I'm Todd Starnes. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back, and we will still be following uh, the story as it unfolds in East Palestine, Ohio. And in the next segment, uh, Benny Johnson, who was on the ground and also uh, being the hands and feet of Christ, uh, who gave uh, just money to to some people on the ground and got to talk to uh, some of these residents. He's going to join me in the next segment. And uh, this is just such a good reminder, I think, to all of us how uh, we need to, and clearly we don't, rely on the federal government. Uh, we need to make sure that we, as the church, uh, continue to actually do the humanitarian efforts um, of of taking care of our fellow man, and the Bible calls us to do that. So, um, so speaking of of taking care of our of our fellow man, I want to uh, welcome my next guest, who all of you know and needs uh, no introduction, Kyle Rittenhouse, who um, has. Uh, really been the the face of I think American justice and due process uh, in the aftermath, of course, of uh, his trial last year, and 
He's also uh, going now through another civil lawsuit and being um, sued again by the guy who pointed a gun at him literally on a video. And um, the lawsuit, as he says on Twitter, is an attempt to drown anyone who legally and justifiably defends their lives from attackers in the amount of legal debt. We can't let them win. And uh, Kyle joins me now. And Kyle, um, you know, you have just been such a uh, beacon of strength through all of this that you were going through. You faced it with courage. And um, this has really impacted your personal life and personal faith. And you and I have talked about this um, at length previously. And and I just kind of want to focus on that aspect of this, of um, how all of this has brought you closer to the Lord and uh, made you more bold and courageous for speaking out about your faith. So good morning. Good morning, Jenna. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, absolutely. It definitely brings me closer to the Lord every single day. And it opens my eyes in a way just to show that the fight is never truly over. And just to like give grace that I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is something that um, I think for anyone who can possibly fathom going through um, something that you have and you are still going through. Um, There would be a lot of people, especially um, for as young as you are, who would have um, folded under pressure or who would have uh, had... um, you know, whether it's it's substance abuse problems or turn to other ways of escape, but you've turned to the Lord and um and that's been a a beacon of hope in your life. And um so so tell us how um how you have faced all of the pressure and why um your faith has become stronger through this. Well, just like focusing on on my life and just like going to the Lord when I'm feeling down and just knowing that it's going to be okay, knowing that whatever happens is going to happen. It's out of my control at the end of the day. That's, that's how I face the pressure and, and knowing it's not in my control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, and this is where when people um, who will slam you on Twitter or they'll you know come after you on, on other things. You have um, just continued to tell the truth and people can follow you at this is Kyle R uh, on uh, social media. And so you know you're facing now this new lawsuit and um, this is from um, you know the the other individual who um, who of course uh, you know survived the night as you did as well. Um, but he actually was pointing a gun at you and the video shows that and yet he's now suing you. So um, what can you tell us about this and how you are fighting back legally as well? Well, this law, this new lawsuit by Mr. Grosskreutz is um, my second lawsuit I'm facing. I'm also being sued by the family of Anthony Huber, the person who attacked me with the skateboard. Um, this new lawsuit fails to mention how Gage pointed a gun at my head, how I was attacked with a skateboard, and they pretty much call me a white vigilante, a nationalist, and say I was deputized by the police, and it's just all false. They just lie constantly in this lawsuit, and it's ridiculous, and I look forward to proving my innocence in court again, and I know I did nothing wrong, and this lawsuit is just an attack on our Second Amendment again, and and a civil attack on people who defend their lives legally and justifiably. 
Yeah, and, and I'm talking with Kyle Rittenhouse, and um, you can follow him at this is Kyle R on Twitter, and you can go to uh, the link for Give, Send, Go, uh, where you are raising money to help you uh, defend. And, and this is where I think this notion of lawfare um, has become a way to try to um, get back at uh, at, at various individuals, um, including yourself. And this is a way that people um, actually weaponize the justice system to uh, go after and try to bankrupt people just for defending their civil rights and their constitutionally protected rights. And it appears that this is, you know, one of those instances of lawfare. And um, and I hope that you are getting the support uh, that you need through this. And, and you're absolutely right, Kyle, that, um, you know, this is about making sure that we protect the uh, the legitimate exercise of our constitutionally protected rights. And there has been a lot of talk about um, the Second Amendment in the aftermath of your particular case. And I think you've um, kind of in, in a way become the face of the Second Amendment for the nation um, because you were found not guilty, um, even though people on social media will you know, say things to the contrary. And I think it's really frustrating when people continue um, to lie or spin or shade that. Um, but what what has this um, done in terms of your advocacy for our constitutionally protected rights and um, and the Second Amendment and how you have um, been able to uh, to truly help people understand why it's so important that we have our protected rights uh, in this country? Well, like fight in a way to like try to educate people on the Second Amendment and try to be an advocate for the people who may not have a large audience as I do on social media and talk to politicians that I know about introducing new gun laws or trying to pass better gun laws that help support people between the ages of 18 and 20. That's how I've sort of tried to be an activist in a way for the Second Amendment. Yeah, and you've done a really great job. And um, so last question for you, Kyle, this morning, and um, you can go again to givesendgo.com if you would like to uh, help Kyle with his uh, defense. How can we pray for you? Just for strength to get through this lawsuit. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very stressful. And just pray for safety for us, because if we end up doing it, um, having to go back to trial again to defend this. I'm going to be having to go to Wisconsin and going to court every day and just for safety if I do have to go back to that state. Yeah, that's, that is a really good point. And we will all certainly uh, be praying for you. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. Um, we wish you the best. And I really applaud you for, um, for standing up with courage, for always speaking out, and for growing in your faith and letting this, um, this whole situation that is, uh, would be really difficult for anyone, but certainly um, for you, for bringing you closer to the Lord um, instead of uh, turning to other things or um, or just getting angry. So we, we really appreciate you joining us this morning. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse, you can find uh, him on social media at This Is Kyle R. All right, so turning uh, to a couple of other headlines this morning, if you have been following uh, the the news at all. I mean, I, I really don't like watching CNN. I just don't. But sometimes, you know, you, you have to <laughs> because um, sometimes once in a while they will say something uh, that's actually reasonable. And if you have been following the 
uh, Georgia, Fulton County Grand Jury. The foreperson of the grand jury in the aftermath of uh, that report coming out, and of course, most of it is still, still under seal, inexplicably and I think outrageously, the forewoman of the grand jury kind of went on a wild media tour. And uh, those clips have gone viral. And it has now come out that she is some sort of a green Wiccan or um, into uh, witchcraft based on some of the uh, the Instagram posts on her personal profile. So, um, you know, some of that is interesting, um, not really relevant at all to service on a grand jury. But what is relevant is the fact that she's going on this long media tour and talking about deliberations and talking about things that probably she shouldn't. So uh, this is cut seven, but this is where uh, she actually says uh, to the media to, and I think that this is MSNBC, she actually said that she wanted to swear in Trump and hoped that he would be subpoenaed during the grand jury. Listen to this. Personally, want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just... I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I thought that would be an awesome moment. Um, so again, this is this is all about contrast because contrast this and what should be a solemn moment uh, in a grand jury investigation situation. This is a special grand jury out of uh, Fulton County, Georgia. And contrast that uh, to the actual awesome moments of President Trump meeting people on the ground in East Palestine, Ohio. And, um, you know, the contrast just couldn't be more clear. I mean, this is something that is supposed to be a solemn uh, legal situation. And the kind of cavalier attitude and saying, you know, that kind of would be an awesome moment. Um, and, and you know, we're just on audio on radio, but if you actually watch the entire clip of this, um, this, this four person is giggling. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's actually, I mean, it's just, it's really embarrassing. And I think from a legal standpoint is outrageous that she's going on this media tour and is talking about confidential deliberations in the grand jury. Um, this is unprecedented. This shouldn't be happening. And whether or not um, the Trump legal team decides to take action on this and uh, and combat this uh, type of disclosure, I think remains to be seen. But this was CNN's reaction, uh, where, again, sometimes, sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes CNN gets it right. So this is cut six. Why this person is talking on TV, I do not understand. She's clearly enjoying herself. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, is this responsible? She was the foreperson of this grand jury. This is a horrible idea, and I guarantee you that prosecutors are wincing watching her go on this. I was wincing just <laughs> watching her eagerness yes. to, like, you know, hint at stuff. It's painful in that respect. This is a very serious prospect here. We're talking about indicting any person. You're talking about potentially taking away that person's liberty. We're talking about potentially a former president for the first time in this nation's history. She does not seem to be taking that very right. seriously. But there's no reason for her to be out talking. No, I mean, there's a, right, it's okay. a prosecutor's nightmare. She, right, okay. Mark my words. Donald Trump's team is going to make a motion if there's an indictment to dismiss that indictment 
based on grand jury impropriety. She's not supposed to be talking about anything, really, but she's really not supposed to be talking about the deliberations. She's talking about what specific witnesses they saw, what the grand jury thought of them. She says some of them we found credible, some of them we found funny. I don't know why that's relevant, but she's been saying we found this guy funny or interesting. I think she's potentially crossing a line here. It's going to be a real problem for prosecutors. That was CNN and a discussion from a guest uh, with Anderson Cooper. And, uh, you know, they are saying about grand jury improprieties. And, uh, you know, I think that they're actually right. So we'll be following that story as well. Um, In the last few minutes of this segment, before we bring on uh, Benny Johnson, who is going to talk about uh, being on the ground in East Palestine, Ohio, um, I wanted to also highlight this story this morning, that according to uh, the Daily Mail and this headline this morning, a fifth, one fifth of Gen Zers identify as LGBT seven times the share of boomers. This is not uh, this is not a a mistake that the left is pushing our young people and Gen Zers uh, toward a new religion. And so this is um, as we've been talking about on this program and we'll continue to talk about, uh, this is not just oh they, you know, somehow we have now entered a moment in culture where we're recognizing gender fluidity that we have for the last five minutes. And, you know, throughout the rest of world history, everyone <laughs> assumed male and female um, are the only two genders. Um, and yet now somehow we have suddenly become liberated to the extent that one fifth of Gen Zers are identifying as LGBTQ. But think about the social pressure and the the societal pressure for young people who want to be part of a group and um, and a category. And when you are told as a young person, you get special privileges in society if you identify as LGBTQ in some form. Um, You not only get special privileges in terms of treatment, but you actually get more protections and more civil rights. Well, why wouldn't you if you are not following the Lord, uh, why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? Why wouldn't you want to suspect that you are part of this community and uh, get that special protection and those privileges? This is becoming uh, not only a huge problem for civil rights in society, but this has become a new religion. Um, When we excise God from society, we replace him with God substitutes. And the LGBTQ agenda is not just about love is love. This is so much more than that. And this headline is frankly very disturbing. We need to be the church and speak truth. And if you are not in a church where your pastor is confronting these issues, I would respectfully suggest find a new church. We will be right back with more right here on Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio Network. My wife, Jan, played in the marching band in high school and then in college. They all had matching uniforms, but when they played the music, nobody played exactly the same thing. As believers, unity of the faith, we're not the same. 
Uh, we're different. We have different parts to play, mm. but there can be unity as we play our part in Christ Jesus. Exploring the Word, weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. You don't have to be an exceptionally talented person to be extraordinary. Living a meaningful life starts with making small but significant choices each day. This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress continues his series based on the life of Elijah. It's called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Learn how you can choose extraordinary all this week on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. For judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Evan Lambert is a journalist with News Nation, covering the massive train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. He attended Governor Mark DeWin's press conference about the matter and asked one too many questions. Lambert was then arrested for charges, including criminal trespassing. He was then released from custody with all charges dropped. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost said, My office has reviewed the relevant video and documentary evidence and is dismissing the charges against Evan Lambert as unsupported by sufficient evidence. Local journalists being arrested for doing their First Amendment protected jobs? We've turned a bad corner in America. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE, 833-45-BIBLE. Speaking truth with love, this is Jenna Ellis in the morning. So if you are on social media at all, I'm sure you have heard of Benny Johnson, who is a meme lord and a great prolific uh, voice on The Benny Show on his podcast, also on uh, Newsmax as well has a show, and also for Turning Point USA. He's just kind of all over, and I am very privileged and honored to call him a friend of many years. And as I was scrolling through social media, um, I saw a video that you really, really need to see where Benny actually went and visited East Palestine, Ohio. Of course, we are keeping tabs on that story, and took all the social media revenue um, and actually gave some significant checks to residents there and actually just, you know, is doing more good, I think, than uh, the federal government in terms of providing assistance and love and Christian charity. So uh, Benny Johnson joins me this morning. And um, Benny, this was was just such a wonderful gesture. And uh, tell me the story of kind of how this came about. Well, in the news business, and thank you so much for having me on the program, Jim. In the uh, in the news business, you, uh, you, you like, 
you monetize people's pain. Such an evil, vindictive thing to say, but it's true. A maxim in the news business is if it bleeds, it leads. And so there are all these people hurting, especially in this country, and especially in East Palestine, where these people are deeply working class and, and, and the definition of the forgotten Americans. And everyone was going there to point cameras at them. And even if you had a good heart about it, you were going there to sort of monopolize and monetize people's pain. And no one was helping them. And that was part of the story. But, but everyone on our side, and I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican, and everyone on our side was screaming that no one's helping them. But that's sort of antithetical to the way that we believe, not just as Republicans, but as simple Christians. I'm just a simple Christian, right? And so Christ calls us to be light under the world, to be his hands and feet. And so we decided to take our social media monetization money for the last month and to go to the 20 homes that were closest to the toxic explosion. Unfortunately, we're not rich enough to give checks to everyone in the city. There's plenty of people in this country who are. Shocking. I haven't seen Bill Gates out there. Um, uh, I haven't seen so-called philanthropists who call themselves humanists out there. But we did what we could do and hopefully inspiring others to do a simple thing, which is not to, not to just complain about what the government's not doing, because the government is inadequate in all of these regards, and is always slow, and is always a, a dollar short, unless it's, of course, for Ukraine. Um, and to just go and help your fellow Americans. We don't need to ask the government's permission. We can just, we can just go do something nice. And that's all we did. And, you know, it wasn't, wasn't particularly complicated. Um, and it was, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, every person that we gave a, a thousand bucks to, they were going to use it for clean food, clean water. Some people were going to get, you know, uh, to get out of their houses because they were contaminated um, and get to a hotel. But nobody's helping these people. So in a Christian nation, it's sort of incumbent upon us to, to help. It really is. And, and I commend you for this, uh, Benny Johnson, because, you know, this is evidencing exactly why we as Christians and as the church need to not abdicate our role and responsibility of the greater scope of humanitarianism and Christian charity and all of this to the government. Because too often, especially in today's society, we do look to the government to provide all the assistance and all of the help and all of um, the other things that really historically um, the church was much more well-equipped to actually accomplish. And if we then abdicate humanitarianism to the government, then are we really surprised when then the humanitarianism uh, efforts of, for example, the Biden administration, they choose to be more directed toward, for example, Ukraine, than where we would prefer as Christians to give that assistance and that aid. And I mean, I just thought it was absolutely ridiculous that Joe Biden is spending President's Day in Ukraine talking about $500 million more in aid to Ukraine when the giant elephant in the room is that he is ignoring the people of East Palestine. Well, yeah. I mean, and you know, you'll get, you'll get, you'll get tired and blue in the face and your finger will start to ache pointing fingers at where other people have failed. And so I'm going to have to stand before my Lord someday and I'm going to have to account for what I did. And for me and for my house, uh, we're going to go and we're going to serve the Lord in the way that we can um, and give to people in need. 
And I think that was sorely missing in this news cycle. You know, this video has been seen by 7 million people because everyone is hungry for some type of goodness in the world. And more than anything, that's, that's sort of up to us, right, um, to, to, to deliver. And we're supposed to be light in a dark place. And it, it doesn't get much darker than East Palestine, Ohio, I can tell you. After being there it, for just a couple of hours, my throat was on fire. My eyes were blood red. My ears were burning. My nose was burning. There was like a, like a, a red chemical rash on my cheeks. That place is not safe. And quite frankly, nobody should be there right now, um, myself included. But the uncaring and cruel government, which has been uncaring and cruel since the time of Christ, this has not changed anything, um, they, it's run by men, and men are corrupted. And now the charity of the Biden administration is corrupt. And so, again, we're going to, like, you'll break your finger off pointing at all the other things that are wrong in the world. Uh, why don't you take some action and get out and actually help and, and act? And, and so we so hope that we can inspire other people to, to get up and to act. And, and this is a really great thing. Uh, Benny Johnson, who hosts, uh, of course, the great podcast, uh, The Benny Show on Newsmax as well, and with uh, Turning Point USA. So, um, so Benny, just from from the human element, I mean, I've just been so moved by um, the stories of the people who who are suffering in this little town who now, you know, kind of national attention is on them and they really didn't uh, want that. They aren't used to it. And, you know, the mayor of um, East Palestine is, um, you know, really just seems like an ordinary (laughs) average guy who is doing the best uh, that he can and is, you know, is now telling um, Mayor Pete, you know, if you're not going to actually help, then we don't even want you to visit, like, you know, forget the photo ops and things. So um, what was the reaction to these people when, you know, you came and, and just surprised them with this chair? gift and what was the response that you saw on the ground and their um, kind of attitude overall to what's happening uh, right now in Ohio? So I asked a simple question, has anyone shown up to help you? And the answer to that question was always no. At that time, I believe that Donald Trump's visit sort of incentivized FEMA to move a little bit. But at that time, FEMA had denied them that very morning. FEMA had denied them aid from the federal government. The the train company, Norfolk Southern, had given a grand total of twenty-five thousand dollars. That's five thousand uh, uh, dollars. That's five thousand people in the, the town, so it's five bucks a resident. So everyone had gotten five dollars, which won't even buy you a, a, a foot-long sub anymore at Subway. And uh, these individuals had had nobody help them out, and so the response was often tears uh, and a lot of hugs, and, and even got hugged by a dog. A uh, big dog jumped up on me and, and gave me a hug. Um, and I'm not saying that we're changing anyone's life here. I mean, unfortunately, with inflation and with the economy the way it is, uh, this kind of money doesn't go the way the way that it used to. But at least it'll get you groceries and cleaning supplies and a hotel stay, right, um, in, 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 in uh, eastern Ohio. And so, um, so that was the response. And, you know, again... It's it's interesting. People are just, on a human nature level, starved for goodness. We are spiritual beings, and we are wired to want some light in the world and some some good things to happen to people who are in dark places. And we like to we like to see that. And some people comment like, "Why did you bring cameras if you if you're so uh, if you're so altruistic? Why are you bringing cameras there?" Well, because it inspires people, actually. 
And if you read the Gospels, Christ didn't heal in secret. He healed or, and did miracles in front of thousands of people because it inspired them. Thousands of people believed in Christ, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke all retell these stories. Now, I'm not certainly not saying that what we're doing is a miracle, but as a simple Christian, we are called to just get up and help and do the best that we can and Be hopefully Christ inspire other people, people to, to, to live a better life. And so, so that, that's all. You know, that's all. This is, this is not world-changing, but it's also quite simple, and I'm quite amazed. I'm certainly not the most successful, attractive, or rich person in the world. Um, far from it. But, you know, hopefully other people can get up and, and do the same thing, and that, that's the kind of culture we should want, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Benny Johnson, as you're talking about this type of thing, I mean, I think it's it's such a ridiculous um, sort of understanding of uh, philanthropy to say that somehow it's not good and it's not really a genuine effort if you do it in secret and, or if you do, if you do it publicly rather and, and you have to somehow do this in secret or you have to be an anonymous donor or you know you have to make sure that nobody ever applauds you for your efforts and and they're totally done in secret which you know being Christ to the world is actually what we are called to be as Christians we are called to participate in society we're called to you know, love and take care of, you know, the orphans and the widows and, you know, the, the, the broader church, um, community in America, I think has, has really utterly failed by, uh, being more of this consumer, um, mentality and almost having like a marketing customer base and, and having a lot of, um, you know, sermons and events and things that are more geared toward, the people that will come and participate in those types of activities rather than having this kind of um, servant-like mindset and truly doing the work of uh, maybe unpopular or not as uh, glamorous of ministry. And, you know, when you're talking about going to East Palestine, I mean, you know, this is a safety hazard at the moment. I mean, I certainly wouldn't think that this is a a necessarily safe place to go to now, regardless of, you know, what... um, Governor DeWine might suggest or, you know, anybody else on the federal government. We just don't know that yet. And there are uh, people like yourself who have been there who uh, have had, you know, kind of these reactions and things that would suggest, you know, no, it's it's not really that safe, but you're going anyway. I mean, and this reminds me of, you know, during the Protestant, um, you know, the rise of, of Protestantism and with, um, you know, Martin Luther, when he was willing to go uh, during the plague and and just say, well, you know, I'm called to be a minister to these people. And I fear not doing the work of the Lord over anything that may happen to me physically or monetarily or whatever. And I think we've kind of lost that ambition of, uh, of true service in America. And so as you're describing this, I hope that this does really inspire people to give and to serve in a way that um, really, I think, because of the comfort levels of how we live in the United States, and inflation aside, and some of those other concerns, which I know are very, very real, we all have had it very good in America. And so um, how would you encourage other people to get involved and do do these types of things and make a difference. I mean, maybe they can't go and, you know, give a thousand dollar checks to to different people, but everybody can do their part and be part of a local church and to just kind of have this attitude of truly being Christ in the culture. Ah, see, uh, Jenna, that's where you're wrong because secretly, uh, everyone that follows us did give. So what, 
beauty of this position is that with our show and with our social media revenue monetization, everyone who even passively watches our show is contributing a little bit to the monetization of our product. And so we have 7 million followers across social media. And so all of them, by, by proxy, contributed to this fund simply by watching and consuming and sharing our content. It was completely free for them. And we were able to take that, the vectors of monetization on social media and then turn that into a donation for them. So it's actually, it, it's actually, it was actually a great community effort, to be quite honest with you. And I think I'm going to do this more often, or I'm just open about the numbers that we're making on social media and where they come from, because it's our community. It's the community we're building, the community of listeners and the community of followers that we're listening. Um, and if you want to find me on social media, it's at Benny Johnson on every platform that you can find imaginable other than TikTok because it's communist spyware. But uh, you can, you can, you could actually, this was like a net effect, right? So it's the, at the end of the video, I say, stay tuned to the end of the video. You'll see who paid for every dollar of this. It was actually the community that we're building. And so now people can follow and subscribe knowing that even if they aren't able to uh, give not just $1,000, maybe even $10. Some people are not able to do that, and they have responsibilities. I'm a parent, and I understand that. I really deeply, abidingly do. Uh, and so that is kind of the beauty of our the, the modern media ecosystem. Um, if you're doing it right, is you don't have to be greedy and petulant and... Um, uh, and, and hoover, you know, hoover up and hoard... Uh, the monetization of a community, you can you can actually go and do a, an enormous amount of good. And there's a lot of people who make a ton of money um, and doing this. And there's people who would like to be part of it. And that's how they can be part of it, even if they can't afford the money out of their back pocket, just by, just by following along, they're contributing. And so so I that's think we're great. onto something here. Yeah, I, I really think you do. And, uh, and, and I really commend you for your work, Benny Johnson. And um, if you want to be part of that community, follow Benny Johnson, like I do, um, at Benny Johnson across all platforms. And um, thank you so much for your work on this, uh, Benny, and for everything that you do at Turning Point and encouraging people to be engaged and being Christ in the world. So uh, we are all out of time for today, but you are listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning right here on American Family Radio Network. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.